Have you heard the good news? The Office of Personalized Learning is back with Inquiry Labs and Design Workshops. If you're interested in seeing personalized competency-based practices in real time and looking for opportunities to network and get support on your own learning journey, these in-person events are perfect for you. Visit personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov today to register for an inquiry lab or a design workshop near you. It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Beach, and today we are joined by some very special guests all the way from Griggs Road Elementary. So I'm going to allow our guests to introduce themselves and then we'll jump into the conversation. Thank you for having us. My name is Joy Dillon. I'm the innovation coach here at Griggs Road. Um, So I get to do all sort of innovative things. A lot of things fall under my umbrella, um, mostly integrating technology into the curriculum for teachers. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm Nicole Thompson, the principal at Griggs Road. All right, ladies. Well, we are so excited to have you on our episode. And I want to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about how you got started with your journey Um, towards personalizing learning for students here at Griggs Road? So back in 2018 is really when we first started. We started going to the cohorts with the State Department that they were offering. Um, And then we started sending more teachers. Um, Ms. Thompson came uh, for the teacher portion, and then there was a coaching portion um, so we kind of went to both of those, which was good. We were bringing back all sorts of great stuff. And then once we kind of felt like this was really something that would fit for Greg's and was something that was really important to us, um, then we started with PD for the teachers. So we used our October professional development days um, and then our, our spring day also to kind of introduce it um, and get teachers just to buy in and try a piece. And we really, at that point, realized the teachers who were willing to kind of take that chance, if you will, and see what that looked like. And that really helped those teachers who were not really sure if this was something they could do, again, because of fear of failure, not doing something right for students. It gave them an opportunity to hear from a colleague, hey, it's not so bad, or it actually did work, or this is a little piece that I'm, I'm trying. But from the leadership standpoint, it allowed us to kind of see the hurdles that, they, that were happening and where we needed to kind of back up and punt and say, okay, we may have thrown too much at you and let's take baby steps because it's more about the journey and, and the way that we express it now is it's not a sprint, it is definitely a marathon and that every day looks different. Um, and depending on what you're putting in, every classroom will look different as well. So back to, I guess, starting off in that buy-in piece. Um, When you first came back from the cohorts and things like that, super excited to try this out with your staff. Um, Was everybody on board? What was the response? And if not, how did you kind of persevere through that? I would say that not everyone was on board, not because they were naysayers, if you will, but just like all things education, if you've been in, in education for any length of time, 
there's always this new thing and let's try this this new something and that was the feeling of okay how long are we going to be on this train until it wrecks and are we going to have the support is this just a fad if i and and some were like okay if i don't do it it's going to go away you'll be quiet joy won't come by my room and knock and say can i help you with anything um so it was really more from that standpoint of is it real and is there support behind it and how long and the longevity of, yes, I have your support and yes, you know that everybody, everything looks different, everybody's going to be different. And, but what does the district say about it was kind of that concept and kind of that question and to the point that we still kind of get, well, what if we're a different place or what if we wanna do this but our the rest of the team's not ready for that? And just being ready to know that there's all kind of little compartments um, of what it takes to um, have a personalized learning school and that not everybody starts at the same place. And that was huge for us to make sure that we helped everyone to know it might be flexible seating, it might be student choice, it might be a pathway, but to make sure they understood that just start somewhere. Absolutely. So I guess um, in the line of support, what does support look like for teachers here and how have you been able to build that capacity of teachers regardless of what level they are um, or what their entry point is into this work? So I guess I would say um, the culture here has always been uh, very supportive. Um, there's always that always been that culture of since Miss Thompson's come of you know, just jump in and try something. She's very open to, I mean, that's part of my job, right? Being innovative. And so I get to ask to do all sorts of things and she's really open to try things. So, um, so that culture kind of was already there, but she's very supportive um, with what time she gives them. So that's always the complaint, right? Mm -hmm. How am I going to plan for this? How am I going to have time to learn about it, plan it, implement it? Um, and so because time's such a factor, she's really listened to that. And um, so they have, the teachers are supported with planning periods, extra planning periods. So once a month, they get two extra hours um, of planning with their team. And sometimes it's vertical planning. So sometimes they're planning with other grade levels as well uh, to plan to get ready for whatever pathway they're working on or whatever piece that we're implementing in the moment. So if we're really focused on pathways, then they'll work on pathways. Um, coming up, we're starting to work on competencies. So that'll be the next piece that we focus on um, planning for during those two hours. I just think there's that's one thing as a leader that there's never going to be enough time to give them. I want to give them more time. So I can't, I'm not resting on, okay, well, I've given them this time once a month because if they're truly innovative, students are growing faster than that. And also personalizing the time for staff because whereas some staff may only need two hours, I have to be cognizant to know that other staff might need additional time because they're implementing something completely different that no one maybe in our building is doing. Maybe they're kind of the leader in that or that they just need that extra support and they need to go see it in action and then come back and see what that would look like to make it fit into their classroom and to who they are as an educator and keeping their students in mind. So just being flexible with that is always something that I'm looking at to make sure that it's not showing favoritism, it's meeting, stu meeting students where they are, but you have to meet teachers where they are in order to meet the students where they need to be. Talk a little bit more about um, the piece about allowing teachers to go out and see things and where you find value in that. Because 
Oftentimes, you know, um, things are super tight with substitutes and things like that. Oftentimes we hear, you know, the teachers have to be in the classroom. So t talk a little bit about the value that you find in not only being able to send teachers to maybe classrooms outside the school, maybe within the school, but also giving them that dedicated time. Mm -hmm. I think in order to keep students growing, we have to keep growing. And I think that that's where classrooms become stagnant because we're so focused on, well, you know the content, you know the standards, and we need you in there because there's not substitutes. There's not instructional assistants that can cover. And we use that, and that goes back to the time piece that teachers are talking about. And I think if we're asking teachers to move mountains in the classroom, then we have to move mountains as leaders. And it starts there because if we, if we are leaving the mountain in their way, they're not going to move it in their classroom. And so I think it's about whatever it looks like. So my assistant principal has covered classes. I cover classes. We've had Joy to cover classes. Um, my secretary has covered classes. So you utilize all people. And I think it's really important to make sure that it's a culture of learning. My lead custodian has covered a class before so that a teacher can go in and see another teacher in action or because they're not going to make it back because they've been at another school within our district to watch a teacher um, and to have those conversations with. So it's about everyone in the building as part of a student's learning journey and it's not just the status quo of that teacher. Our teachers are the leaders in their classroom and, they, and they're the ones who kind of help us, but it's more of giving them that opportunity to see Sometimes it's about learning from others, and I believe that it's more about seeing it in action before you want to reinvent the wheel if you don't know what it looks like. Or that ne little negative um, Nelly that's in our head, sometimes we're like, there's no way that's going to work, or I'm going to fail kids if I try it. When you see, this is the outcome. Obviously, it's going to be messy to get there, but sometimes we just need to see that there is fruits of your labor. Speaking of seeing the fruits of your outcome, when you think about where you all started all those years ago, coming through the pandemic, um, what have been some, I guess, spotlight or highlight things that you've seen come out of this as teachers are continuing to shift their practices towards ones that are student-centered and personalized? For me, I think the one thing that I did see coming out of the pandemic I'm a firm believer that that's honestly what saved our culture at Griggs, and we still have a long way to go as to where we want our culture to truly be. Um, but seeing teachers on an on a screen and us having those staff meetings on the screen and seeing their will and their desire and their fortitude to reach kids no matter what, like this staff is a true example of what it means to do everything that it takes to reach a child and not to let something that no one has ever lived through in our lifetimes have ever seen. A pandemic did not stop learning from happening with our students and our, we have proof in that when we're looking at what our scores look like and where our students were when they came back. We did have learning loss just like everyone did, but the ability and the tenacity of our students to dig deep to get where they needed to be and to continue to grow would not have happened if our teachers would have stayed with the status quo of let's do packets, let's just, mm -hmm. let's just say that we're reaching kids because we don't know what this whole pandemic looks like, we don't know where it is, and to allow that to be an excuse and just truly blessed that this staff didn't allow COVID to be an excuse, they allowed it to be almost like their platform of why we're not going to let it stop us from reaching students and to allow students to see in action that, yes, we can do hard things. I think that the biggest thing that I've seen is on the student end, 
So seeing that student ownership when we first started this whole process and we were trying to figure out where to jump in, I really wanted to jump into like the profile stuff and student ownership and all that. And then I realized, well, you, you can't do that until, you, until you've done everything else because that comes along with it, right? When you start building these pieces, that's when you start to see student ownership. They couldn't have talked to us about their goals and, um, you know, where, they, where they're coming into the learning and where, what they need in order to be successful had we not set all this stuff up in advance. Um, so even as a parent, sitting through a student um, conference, student-led conference, and my first grader being able to say, like, this is my reading goal, and these are the books that I'm reading right now, and these are the books I chose to put in my reading um, um, bin so that I can get better and get to my goal was huge. Um, and so I didn't know that, that when that would come, right, like at the very beginning when I first started learning about all this. But that was the piece I was excited about, and now it's here. Um, so it was just nice to see like you said, like the fruits of our labors coming to fruition here with the students, being able to speak on their own behalf. Um, in that same vein, um, regarding student ownership, what are those, um, I guess, subtle shifts or practices that teachers are doing in the school that are yielding the benefits of student ownership? I heard you mention goal setting. What are some other pieces, just in case there's anyone listening who's wondering, like, well, what exactly are students doing that allows them to showcase that they own their learning? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a lot of that started with our, our idea to jump in with choice. Okay. Um, I think students being able to have that voice in what they're doing and be able to create products and things that are important to them and work for them is where you're going to see a lot of ownership come into play. And teachers truly listening to students. Mm -hmm. like the choice in it but not just going okay good job glad that that's how you feel but like the students are actually seeing teachers change things in their classroom because of their voice and what how they learn best mm -hmm. um, and them being able to say I I cannot learn when I'm sitting down um, with ELA because my mind's going a mile a minute so the teacher saying okay and then finding a way to get a stand-up desk in their classroom because that's what that child needs and hearing that voice so it it almost allows the student to feel the respect that we've always given, but they see it in action. Mm -hmm. You're already answering my next question, <laughs> which is how has this work affected students here? Being here before you all started this work and witnessing students and you know what they were like, what are students like now as a result of all the work that teachers have been doing around personalized learning? I think our students could run the school. I think we could all probably take a day and somebody would step up and say, well, our teacher's not here. A prime example is we had a teacher who was so involved in what they were doing just the other day that continued on with the fifth grade class. And the fifth grade students were so engaged in what was happening in the classroom, they didn't realize it was 10 minutes over. Third grade student knocked on the door, got the teacher's attention, said, I'm so sorry, but I think that you're over your time. And they were in the hallway waiting no one knew what was happening, but them just knowing and being cognizant of when their learning should be in that activity class, but being respectful enough to allow learning to continue for other classmates inside the building is huge. And seeing students taking leadership roles with our student ambassadors, news crew, our clubs, just being willing to truly not just come to be the academic part, but this is their school. If you ask any of our students, Griggs Road is their school and their home, and they know that their voice does matter. 
That's awesome. Now, shifting a little bit to parents. So how has your school supported parents in understanding this shift in education? Because as we all know, uh, most of us came up under a very traditional way of doing school. So how have you all been able to help um, parents understand and shift their perspectives on um, learning here? We, we have started last year when we couldn't necessarily have parents in right away. We realized that that's our missing piece and a, and a place that we are definitely a goal for us to continue to work toward to build that um, ownership in that community of personalized learning. So we had them to create videos um, and each teacher created videos or each grade level created a video of what it will look like in that grade level and we sent it out to our parents to kind of view these are your look for's, this is what it sounds like, these are the um, key words that your students may be coming home talking about and that it does look different than when we were in school and helping the, um, the teachers to, or the parents, I'm sorry, to understand what it means to be on a pathway and it doesn't mean your child's behind or that they're way advanced and they shouldn't be in third grade if they're on a higher pathway that we're really trying to challenge them that depth of knowledge and helping parents understand depth of knowledge and application and this year we have really been able to kind of do parent nights but we're really doing it through a student lens and allowing students to showcase their work each month whether it's based on um, a pathway or this is the beginning like in September we had them just to come in to show them their data notebooks that they had set up or their data wall or what that the goals that they have set so that they can hear from the student to kind of be that building block if you will for that student-led conference and to begin those and initiate those conversations and then we'll continue to do that each month to have those parent education opportunities for them to come in and ask us questions and we told the parents instead of saying how was your day like helping them with the types of questions to ask because we've all been there when they're like it's fine and then they move on um, to really help them understand and then we also in the spring are hoping to um, take a big leap of faith and a big chance and we're going to have our parents to come in and be a student for the day and they're going to live the life of what it's like to be a 21st century learner in an elementary school and they're going to do exactly what the students do in that day so it might be a pre-assessment it might be the pathway they might have to show some resiliency and and work ethic and to let them know from a student standpoint so that when they're having those conversations with their child it's definitely more meaningful that's awesome now is that the same thing as the griggs road spotlight on pl is mm -hmm. that what that is? Mm -hmm. So that was the one we started last year yes. when they couldn't come in. Yes. And um, the teachers sent it out. There was a lot of student work in there, a lot of mm -hmm. student videos as well, explaining okay. um, what was going on in their classrooms. Um, and Ms. Thompson encouraged them also to look at other grade levels just to see what was going on, how it was going to progress mm -hmm. from the younger grades um, forward. And then right after that, we sent home the student-led conference. So again, they weren't in the building. Uh, but that went home as well. So they had a kind of a precursor to what they were going to see on this student-led conference. So they get an idea of why it looked the way it looked and how their child was talking so clearly about their goals. And What does um, student-led conferencing look like? So um, at the very beginning, we had a couple people trying it um, before this really became part of our personalized learning um, process here. But that was on paper and the students would walk their, their parents around the classroom and show them different things and the teacher would stop by. Um, now it's much more focused and usually we have them create a presentation for their parents 
They fill in um, goals for iReady, reading goals, math goals for all of the subjects. Um, they rate themselves on things that are less academic and more um, social emotional and how they're doing on things um, in that area. And then, so they each have their own presentation. Some teachers have done it where it's one student at a time um, with the parents, and then others will have two or three families in the room at a time, um, and the teacher can kind of walk around and stop by to um, answer any questions that the parents have, but it is really truly led by the child, all grade levels. That's awesome. Yeah. I would love to see that next really really day. Yeah. Now, back to the parent piece. Have you had any parents come in with any concerns or misconceptions about how learning is being conducted here um, through the personalized lens? And how have you, I guess, gone about addressing those or reassuring parents mm -hmm. that we're, we're really doing what's best for kids here? I think it's the same misconceptions that educators have when you first think about personalized learning and when you mention that word pathway or choice and they're like, I don't want my child to have choice because they'll go to the playground every day. Or um, what do you mean pathway? Like you're not teaching in that misconception that there's not direct instruction that's happening and that we expect students to learn it on their own. So it's more of just a reassurance to make sure that they understand that we are still teaching and good teaching is good pedagogy and what are what all of the that encompasses this is a way to make that more of a reality and the depth of knowledge that we're looking for rather than kind of breezing by a standard it's helping students to understand the why behind everything that they do in this and in, in this building but also that life skill and those application pieces outside of here. Because if they can do it in a math class, that's great. But if you can't help me understand how I'm going to use that in the real world, I'm not going to continue to want to build that skill. And helping parents to understand that. Our parents have been very supportive. They just want to make sure, just like all parents who care about their child, that we are providing the best education possible. Um, and they reach out to our teachers. Our teachers are very open about what's happening. But I think the most impactful is when you sit and you hear it from a child's perspective that, no, this is what I'm doing in my classroom because it's what's right for me because this is where I am and what I need so that I can get here. And hearing students talk about SMART goals and like hearing them talk about that time and that, that very specific about me, um, it changes the mindset of a parent from that, I'm not really sure what's happening in that building to I'm all in, what can I do to help? Awesome. Now, what advice do you have for a leader, a teacher, or a coach who is very interested in bringing these practices into their context, but they're not really sure where to start or how to get buy-in or how to just basically where to start when it comes to shifting from the traditional way of doing things to a model that is very student-centered. What advice do you have for, I guess, those three parties? I think the first thing from a leader standpoint is to make sure that your staff understands that personalized learning is putting the focus on where it, it ha should always be in education which is on the student and sometimes that will be a shift in the building that will be a shift in culture to make sure every decision that is made even if it's not the popular one every decision that is made is what is best for students and student learning and building student capacity and with if that is the center and that's your focal point that's where you start and the next thing i would say to leaders is once you start building that culture and you introduce what personalized learning is and what it looks like for your school be that cheerleader for your staff 
but allow them to know upfront that you expect something to not go well and that you're going to support them. And you want to see those moments. You want to see the messy. You want to see the ugly. You want to see the good as well, but you want to see the whole process, but do it with them. Like, don't just say, hey, we're going to do personalized learning, and they see you watching and not having your hands dirty and kind of really getting in there and the thick of things with them. But listen to what they say um, and be willing to move mountains, and sometimes that means at the district level, being willing to stand up for your teachers and knowing what's best for your students and for your staff and being willing to communicate that. I would say for, um, for teachers just to start with something that you feel confident in, something that you know maybe you're already implementing a piece of, um, just like with any other goal, right? You would find something that's achievable so that you can see success. Um, I would do the same thing here. Um, something that they can find a little piece of that they're already doing and then expand upon it. And once they see success in that, maybe they can add another little piece. For coaches, I would say um, to really find those people in your building, you know your staff, find those people in your building that you know you can encourage to jump in and try something, those people that you know that will just be happy to take on any challenge, and then that spreads from there. When other people see the great things going on in those classrooms and that the way that the students are responding, it'll spread quickly. So what's next for you all on your journey towards personalizing learning? What are some goals that you have moving forward into the future? And that we're working on competencies and really seeing what that looks like and really unpacking those a um, little bit at a time. Um, baby steps, we, if we've learned nothing, it's all about learning about the baby steps and not trying to do everything at one time. Um, but for me as a leader, it's still trying to find that time and that balance to make sure that um, students are getting what they need, teachers are, are being able to have the opportunity to provide that um, direct instruction and that personalized approach and allowing them to go out and to bring back things. I think the next step is to build that capacity in teacher leaders and bringing back those nuggets when they go to um, PDs outside of here and what piece of that do we want to continue to build in our culture at Griggs and making sure that their voice is heard. For us, we started with like looking at our mission and vision statement and we realized it didn't, we, we didn't even know what it was. And so I think that's a great place to, when you're looking at your school, make sure that your vision and your mission is student-centered. And again, just kind of keep going back to that. And so that's where we are now. Okay, this is what it says, are we doing it? And our next step now is based on a PD that teachers went to recently, they want students to have a voice in our vision and our mission. And have we really shared our vision and mission with our students? And that answer is no. And so they need to know what that looks like. So we're gonna take them through the same process that we went through as a staff of making sure that our vision, our vision and our mission really do match what we're trying to accomplish at Griggs to give that student ownership in that as well. I would also say um, to continue spreading within the district. So um, we have several schools that are on board already that are, and then a few that are trying a few things. Um, but we would really love to see our fifth grade students uh, be able to move on to middle school and high school and still um, kind of own their own kind of own their own learning and being able to say this is what I need or this is how I learn best um, and being able to 
find the words to say that to an adult, mm-hmm. but also find their own resources that you don't need an adult to necessarily give you a pathway. You might create your own pathway. Maybe this isn't how I learn, but I know that this is what it looks like, and this is the end result. So what pathway can I create for myself in order to get here and giving them that capacity to be able to do that? Yeah, we've taught them all about the power of yet and all of these mindset things and um, would love to see them to be able to continue on to middle school and be able to say, you know, I'm not there yet. Can I can I work harder on this? Can I try again? Or I've already mastered it, but I want to go above and beyond. Can I do that? And for there to be opportunities for them to be able to do that at that level. Um, and then the standards-based reporting, too. That's always our hang-up, right? Like the report cards. That's another thing that we would love to continue to work on is standards-based reporting and not always having to have then the the actual report card stapled to it. You know, what's gonna happen when they when they move on um, after fifth grade, so. Awesome, well, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I know our listeners have too. Before we let you go, how might someone be able to reach you or get in touch with you if they wanna keep up with your journey or ask more questions of you in the future? They can reach out to Griggs Road Elementary. Um, you can see us on Facebook, Twitter, um, you can reach out um, to uh, our web um, webpage as well. You can find our contact information there. Um, I'm Nicole Thompson, and everything, both of us, it's Nicole.Thompson, Joy.Dillon, followed by at Clover.K12.SC.US. All right. Well, before we go, I will put in a quick little plug. We just wrapped up an awesome Inquiry Lab opportunity And we have another one coming up with Griggs Road, and that is going to be on February the 22nd, 2023. So if you're listening to this and it's before that date, please register at personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!